ready. Only only 53 minutes later than we said we would start. <laughs> not, a, not a problem. Not, not a problem. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest new readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about our May Books on the Radar. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and share a few of our most anticipated May releases. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, Renee. Hi, (laughs) Tina. Are you trying to trick me? (laughs) A little. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I'm ready to, I'm buzzing. I just finished this mason jar. Well, I'm almost finished with my mason jar full of coffee. So I'm ready to go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. I've had a, I had a large Yeti. That's how I drink my morning coffee and a, Mm -hmm. which is definitely, I bet it holds at least two cups. At least. Maybe a little more. (laughs) I don't want to think about how much coffee I consume. It's 24 ounces Mm -hmm. of coffee. That sounds about right. Uh Yeah. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not gonna lie, it gets, the, it gets the day going. It's, it's it does. It's a good yeah. way to get the day going. I can't. I can't be without my coffee. I know. I do. There's something about it, right? Love it. Love. Uh-huh. I love the smell. I am excited because this is always so fun to do, and I had a hard time narrowing down my books. So yeah. the good news is, whatever didn't make this list will possibly be shelf editions. Like we mm-hmm. can still share them. But it was fun to have quite a few extra choices. Oh, for sure. And I had a new strategy this month, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I had a different way of selecting books that I'm excited about. And I think I found at least one or two that are a little bit more under the radar, but I'm still Mm -hmm. very excited about. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. But you want to do Loving Lately's? Yeah. You want to tell me what you're loving lately? Sure, sure, sure. Mine, okay, I have been on a very significant con woman kick. Like, I'm just into con men and women stories these days. And I think that's because there's a plethora available. I found a good one on Netflix, and this was Bad Vegan. I thought it was so interesting, and it's short. It's only four episodes. And what it's about, you have a high-end restaurateur, Sarma Melangalis. And she opened this very successful vegan restaurant in Manhattan. And on the surface, the story goes like this. New York's hottest vegan takes off with her husband in a huge pile of money stolen from her employees who are left empty-handed. And they're only taken down when they order, of all things, a Domino's pizza to the Tennessee hotel room where they'd been hiding out. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's pretty funky. But like, you see stories of business owners scamming their employees What made this one really interesting was that Sarma is the narrator of this show, like of the docuseries. She's Mm -hmm. talking to the camera and she's basically telling us how she got duped by her ex. This lady is a little spooky. (laughs) With all due respect, she's a funky lady. I don't know how to describe it. She's just almost haunting. She's absolutely gorgeous. I think she was a model to begin with. She's a beautiful woman. The way she's telling the story, like straight to camera, something super unsettling about it. And what I liked is I, as we get to know the story, I walked away wondering, like, okay, was she a victim? Was she complicit? Is this just her story? Is it both? And Mm -hmm. she actually does serve some time for doing this thing, but she's giving a very convincing story to camera. So I'm like, it was fun to watch as a viewer because you almost feel like, oh, this is how con men and women work. They're very charming. They're enigmatic. You you believe Mm -hmm. them. That's why they're able to pull these big stunts off. And I was curious. I'm like, wait a minute. So if she's owed all these people all this money, is she getting paid for this Netflix series? Like, what's her cut? And apparently she did get a fee, which went to her attorney representing the employees. Because they interview her. They interview some of the other people involved, some of the former employees. This homeless man that she ended up getting really close with, he actually was a really, like, 
interesting character of himself. Since her release, she's been actively sharing her story across social media and trying to clear her name. But something about it's like ringing false. Hmm. I don't know. It's very interesting. interesting. And I think it was a perfect way to like spend an afternoon just kind of in the background, like seeing what was going on with this story. As far as true crime stories go, this one is pretty tame but I thought it was definitely still worthwhile. I do want to say she's obsessed with her dog, like beyond obsessed. And he plays a big part in this story. I was nervous something was going to happen to the dog, but he's fine. The dog has been is fine the whole time. He's still alive, still with Sarma. So just know that if that makes you uncomfortable. Because I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, if something happens to this dog, I'm going to flip the table. But <laughs> he was <laughs> he was okay. Anyway, so that was Bad Vegan on Netflix. Okay. I know I've watched the preview of that. Okay, yeah. And you, mm-hmm. if you've you've probably seen her face because I've seen advertisements. Yep. She's pretty striking and memorable. Yeah. And I think I I think I saw the dog too. So I'm yeah, not sure if that was ball. in the trailer. Okay. I yeah, think it I was. Yeah. He know. plays like a very significant part, even in like the con and like how her ex-husband, like how he used this dog to get her to like do certain things. Like very interesting. Okay. That does sound interesting. All right. Well, my loving lately is book related. Okay. And and I know you know about it, but I know our listeners will want to know about it. Okay. This is online library cards in other cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't know, which I didn't know, <laughs> that you can sign up for online library cards in other major cities. Not all. So you have to check. But specifically, I want to say that there is one in Florida. It's the Broward County Library in Florida. And this came to us from our patron, Amy, who put this in our weekly Loving Lately Facebook post. Mm -hmm. Every week we put a Loving Lately out there and we get so many ideas and products and suggestions that I never heard of. And this was from Amy. And Uh, Sure enough, I'll link to the registration, which she had given us, and you sign up. It's free. You add it to your own library, like your local library on your Libby app. And so I have both. I now have two libraries, my own Mm -hmm. in Columbus and this one. And this particular one, Broward County, has a ton of e-books and audiobooks. It's, It's nuts. And so much fun. Uh, what a little secret that I, I don't know, I'm maybe nervous. a lot of people knew about, like, but whisper this secret. Cause this is like a, <laughs> I don't want people to be, you know, flooding the market now, but yeah, it's really well, good. Really there's good. a whole bunch. And I found out yesterday that I can get one in Cleveland and Cincinnati too. Oh, awesome. Do it. So I'm going to be mm-hmm. doing that. And I'm just, I'm hoping to eventually have a rotating bunch of Libraries. Now, I am considering joining Brooklyn. Brooklyn, New York has a pretty robust online library system, but I do think that's $50 for a year. Yeah. Which isn't horrible. Yeah. They actually just, they're talking about this in Discord right now. It's free for New York state residents and non residents Mm -hmm. fee. You can pay $52 to get in the New York public library system and or $50 for Brooklyn system, which is not bad if you break down the, the price. And no, if and if they have a lot, that's actually cheaper than a monthly audiobook subscription somewhere else because I'm I'm looking for a audiobook but I also will take the ebook too. So that's not bad at all. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I like it too. I have both. I have one Chicago Public Library. It allows you to have a very small wait list. I have my local system and then I have Broward County and that's what I like to do is I put holds on an ebook and an audiobook. If I know I have something mm-hmm. coming up in my TBR, I'll put holds on both so that way I can have it in multiple Me formats. Too. Yes. Okay. Well, that is that's what I'm loving lately and that is getting online library cards in other cities. <laughs> yep. Try Look, it. I am a big fan of it. You know, we love our library systems and mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious too, if you all know any other library systems that do yes. this sort of thing, like share the wealth. That would be great. And I know uh, I literally, yeah. <laughs> I have so many books on hold, like it's ridiculous. And then I just go in and hit no deliver in seven days. I'm not ready for this one yet. <laughs> seven days. So I think almost yep. all of my holds lists are maxed out at this point. Yes. Same. <sighs> okay. Well, uh, what have you been reading lately? 
All right, let me bring you my latest read. And I am bringing a May release. I was very happy to be able to squeeze in another May new release. This book is You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akweke Imezi. And this one comes out on May 24th. I love this author. I absolutely loved their book, The Death of Vivek OG. And I was very excited to try this author in a new genre because they write pretty widely. They have YA. That was general fiction. And this one's their first foray, I think, their first into romance. And so this book's about the protagonist is named Faye Adikola. And she is a young woman learning how to live and learning how to love again after the untimely death of her high school sweetheart. She's young, too, and it's pretty brutal. It was sad. It broke my heart because she's still obviously, she's in this time where she's still grieving the loss of him, even though I think it's been several years, but is ready to see if she can move on. And she's almost a new person. She works as an artist. She has her own studio, and she's living in a brownstone with her very best friend, Joy, who is the one that's kind of helping spearhead Faye getting back into the dating scene because she hasn't been with anyone since her husband died. And she's not ready for anything serious, but Joy finally gets her to go out. Like, come on, let's go out. And they go to this beautiful rooftop party. And of course, she meets this handsome stranger. Things get steamy, like very steamy, and they make a reckless decision. But it was, you know, it was not, it was a good scene. <laughs> and so... <laughs> This basically helps her kind of break back into dating. I did not read the the synopsis for this, and I was very pleasantly surprised with the way that this book went because I knew that it's an unexpected romance. And I would say leave it at that if you can. If you read the synopsis, it'll tell you who the romance is with. But I was was like, wait a minute. No, no way is this going to go where I think it is. So anyway, things get complicated is what I'm trying to say. She's got several, not several partners, but there are a couple people that she's meeting throughout the course of this story. And throughout the whole time, she is really trying to honor herself, honor her feelings, and grow as a person without hurting everyone around her. But easier said than done sometimes. And the biggest question at the center of this book is how far is she willing to go for a second chance at love? I really love this. First of all, Faye is a perfectly flawed character. Sometimes, boy, the decisions she makes, I'm like, really? Are you really doing that? Okay. (laughs) But what's funny is she acknowledges, like, oh, this is messy. Like, this is not, you know, (laughs) like I mentioned, the very initial decision she makes is super, like, destructive. And she and this partner talk about it. Like, oh, gosh, we shouldn't have done that. I liked it. They had really adult conversations about modern romance, modern relationships. Mm -hmm. I loved her relationship with her best friend, Joy. And I felt like their dialogue was so real. Joy was not one to let her get a pass. She's like, girl, what are you doing? You need to figure this out. It was really fun. So don't walk into this expecting a traditional romance because there's definitely heavier parts. She's still processing, again, the death of her husband. And that was super sad. But the book still felt escapist because the majority is set in this gorgeous home on an island in the Caribbean. So you get that piece. It's luscious. Mm -hmm. She's putting on these beautiful outfits. It's warm. Renee, it's a bit of a bittersweet love story. One, where you're not sure what to think and you're not sure if you agree with it, but that's part of the fun of the reading experience. You're like, I don't know about this. Again, I would not, this is not a rom-com, but there is romance elements. This is not particularly steamy. So if you're looking for like a super steamy book, this probably isn't it, except for the very beginning. It gets a little more tame from there. Mm-hmm. This is more about the relationships. It's more about the choices we make that sometimes feel selfish, but potentially have a really big payoff. Mm-hmm. It's about grief and second chances and finding your person. I walked away with a couple of questions, and I thought the ending felt a tiny bit too neat and tidy. But the writing was great, and it was a unique love story that I enjoyed reading. This author is so talented, and I think what I love the most about their writing is their characters. There are not a ton of characters in this book, but they're all fully fleshed out to the point where I'm like, wait, what's Joy doing? How's her relationship going? I want to know more (laughs) about this person. So I'm hopeful that they'll give us some more books set in this world just to see how everyone else is faring. And this book was involved in a bidding battle and supposedly is one of the biggest book deals of the year so far. Wow. The film rights have been sold and the author will be the executive producer. Definitely excited for that because 
Super curious to see what actors they cast to play these characters and where they go with the setting. There's a really lush and fancy house, which I love, like a super mm-hmm. fancy house as, as a setting in a book. I highly recommend this one. I very much enjoyed it. Plus, the cover is A+. This was You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Ikweke Imezi. Wow. Okay. Are you super tempted when you hear that a book has been in a bidding war? Does that make does yes. that make you want to read it? Yeah, me yes. too. When you just said that, I was like, well, I mean, uh-huh. you got me with bittersweet. Yeah. Um, because I definitely know if I'm going to read romance, that's what I prefer is something yeah. deep, something not on the rom-com spectrum, uh-huh. but more on the like deeper, darker, dramatic, bittersweet oh, spectrum. Yeah. By the way, there's a love triangle. P.S. <gasps> Yeah, I forgot. How to did tell you. you not tell? How did you not say that? Yeah, I'm definitely reading I, this. If you've read this, you know why I didn't mention it because it's a very non-traditional love triangle. Put it that okay. way. Okay. All right. Well, I'm definitely reading this. But when you said bidding war and all, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, yes. that always makes me want to read something. I know. I wish I had gotten the audio. It wasn't available when I read this, but it's narrated by Bonnie Turpin. Oh well, there you go. Even mm-hmm. better. Yep. Spend an afternoon reading this. I'm gonna have to wait for the audio. Yeah, this one's not very long. I think it's only like 250, 275 pages. So definitely not okay. very long, but super fleshed out, very lush book. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that. All right. My latest read is City on Fire by Don Winslow. We have been looking forward to this book because the pub date got pushed, right? Right. Yes. And I, I had to go way back into our episodes and see where I brought this as a shelf edition. And I brought this as a shelf edition in episode seven. Excuse way, me? Yes. <laughs> We're on way, episode 48, I think. I know. Yeah. <laughs> way back in July, well, it was my shelf edition because it was originally supposed to be published in September. And I was so excited. Um Anyway, it got pushed to April 26th. So comes out today. I loved Don Winslow's The Cartel trilogy that started with The Power of the Dog, then The Cartel, then The Border. So I was highly anticipating this one. It is book one of a new trilogy. And I listened to the audio. It was excellent. And the narrator is Ari Falakos. Mm -hmm. Is he an actor? I know you know who he is. He feels like he's an actor. I don't know. Anyway, he gave an audiobook Oscar winning performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And here is what this book is about. So it's set in the 80s, the 1980s in Providence, Rhode Island. So there are two criminal empires at play here. And think old school mobsters, which is what we're dealing with here. And they run New England. You have the Italian Morettis and the Irish Murphys. What ends up happening is they all get along. And in the very beginning, they're on a beach and a woman comes by and she's beautiful and she is striking and she catches everyone's attention, including their wives. And this particular woman is the start of a downfall and a war between these families that is like no other. And so this is Don Winslow's modern-day Helen of Troy novel. Mm. So what ends up happening is you have a main character, Danny Ryan, and he's actually married to the daughter of the guy that runs the Murphy family. And Danny does a lot of work for this family. He manages a lot of the illegal activities. And he, for one reason and another, becomes a leader. Because, like I said, a war breaks out between these families. And Danny is placed in the middle. And so what you have is a lot of drama, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of violence. It reminded me of The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. And very much, if you like The Sopranos, you will like this type of story. But things happen, and it's almost like a soap opera on a grand scale, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There, There is a large cast of characters, and people not only backstab each other, but it's very much, they kill each other. So- Not all of these characters 
are going to live. And Don Winslow does not care about killing off main characters. So that was interesting. But this also becomes a story about Danny and whether he's going to go, quote unquote, legit or whether he's going to go deeper and deeper into a life that he will not be able to get out of. I mean, this is straight up crime fiction. It's not a crime thriller because at times it was more character driven and it's not a mystery. So it's very much a mix, I guess, of that of both genres. And it's very violent. Know that it's very, very violent and it's very graphic. Like I said, these are mobsters. They do not care about who they kill. And Don Winslow writes in a very, very descriptive you can picture it in your head. And so it's like, it's gory. I really enjoyed this. Okay, here's some of my, I go back and forth. Like I said, these are mobsters. I had some issues and very much felt uncomfortable at times with the derogatory language that is used by them throughout the book. It's racist, sexist, homophobic. It's, but it's everybody. (laughs) No one was left out. (laughs) Let's put it that way. So that was kind of like, well, I don't know. It it kind of felt jarring and to listen to. Women in the story play secondary roles. But here's what got me. There is a particular woman in this story. And for me, she made the story. And she is exactly why I'm hoping that we get more from her. Mm -hmm. And she will be the reason that I keep going. The number one reason I keep going because this wasn't my favorite Don Winslow book, which I'm, I thought Fun. for sure I would love it. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite. And know that there's a ton of characters. It does get confusing. I was confused. And it does, it will take you quite a while to get into the flow and to remember who's who. I mean, a lot of the names are Peter, Paul, like of the same, like they start with the same letter or whatever. All in all, I still enjoyed it. Like I said, not my favorite by Don Winslow, but I will read book two when it comes out. And that's City on Fire by Don Winslow. Yeah, I know you were kind of not struggling, but debating about your feelings about this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. I love the narrator, Ari Flagos. I would yeah. read him. I would listen to him read literally anything. I'm Irish and Italian. So I'm like, you know, kind of I maybe understand mm-hmm. that world a little bit. So I'm curious to see what I where I would land. Yeah. Well, I think my expectations were were just <laughs> so high because I absolutely binged the three books in the Cartel trilogy and expected to be that wowed. And I don't know. I mean, the reviews are trickling in. There's just a little bit on Goodreads right now and everybody everybody's giving it five stars. So, mm-hmm. maybe I just I just had such high expectations and for me I would rather have a different type of story. I don't know. I'm, I can't wait for others to try it. And um, I'm really curious to see what other people are going to think. Yeah, that always helps when you get other reviews in. Because some mm-hmm. I, I don't mind it. But then sometimes I'm like, hello? <laughs> like, what? Is, where, where's everybody else? What did you all think? Because people can pick out things that you may have missed. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I missed this in your description. Was this easy to follow on audio or is there too many characters going on? Well, it was very mm-hmm. hard to follow for the yeah. first 20 or 25 percent. Yeah, because you said there's names that overlap. Like, right. Peter, Pond, John. Like, Peter, Paul. Um, I mean, Liam. There's a lot of characters. Plus, you've got the wives. And yeah. I, I was frustrated at times. And I kept having to go back and read like a couple minutes. And, and I did that so often that I started to get frustrated. Now, yeah, if I would have had the print copy, it would have been much better. I probably would have started. What I would have done would have been started in print, got every visually Mm-hmm. Got the names in my head and then switched to audio because, like I said, his narration, the way he did voices, I amazing, just amazing. With there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of accents between you know Irish and Italian, and the Italian language is used. Oh, he nice. he, wow, mm-hmm. amazing for him. Five star narration. Okay. 
All right. I have a copy. I'm curious. All right. Yes. And it's only nine hours, nine something hours. Like I thought right. it was going it to be is. a super long book, I but I guess it's not it, terribly long. It's not. It's it's shorter than the other books that in the other trilogy. Okay. Well, sounds good. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into some book talk for today. And I kind of realized, I'm like, wait a minute, May books on the radar. We came out in May of last year. So we are coming up on our one year mm-hmm. anniversary, which is wild. It feels like a year, but also not. And and we'll, I'm sure, come up with something fun, a fun way mm-hmm. to celebrate our one year anniversary. But yeah, the end of May, it'll be one year. Yeah, that's crazy. It's been so fun. It's it, Time has flown, but yeah. I can't believe it. I know. So we wanted to define some of our own terms, like books on the radar. So what is a book on the radar? What does that mean? These are books that we have our site set on, or maybe we have a copy of, but we definitely want to read these books. So these are books that, and I'm sure, I'm, I mean, I'm speaking for me, but I bet for you yeah. that I definitely plan on reading, but they're not published yet. So. Right. Yeah. So right. these so are always. These are on always, our radar. Mm-hmm, these are on our radar. These are always episodes that come out the very last Tuesday of the month in preparation for the month to come. I, and we'll talk about how we find these books But I always like to do a mix of ones that I'm super excited about that people probably have heard of. And I always like to throw in one or two that are maybe a little bit less buzzy, but I'm still very excited about. Mm -hmm. This differs from our shelf edition. (laughs) So at the end of each episode, we wrap it up with a shelf edition. And what a shelf edition, that is basically, just like what it sounds, a book that we added to our own shelves. Whether it's a physical book we added to our literal bookshelf or ones that we metaphorically added to our TBR. Mm -hmm. Right. And TBR is our to-be-read shelf. Mm -hmm. I know we do throw, we throw around these terms and we thought, well, maybe it would be fun and helpful to talk about what to dig a little bit into what these terms are that we throw around all the time. Mm -hmm. And for shelf editions, those can be books that have already published, They can be super backlist. They can be books that aren't out yet. Anything goes for shelf editions. And same thing, I do try and keep a list of the books I've brought for shelf editions and read them so that we can then later on on the show, you've already heard about it from us, but now we're going to tell you what we thought about it. Yes, exactly. I do the same thing. I When I'm picking a shelf edition, it's not just a random, oh, well, I mean, people might like this, but I don't know if I will. I always pick a shelf edition that I definitely want to read because I, mm-hmm. I'm intending to read it and then I want to be able to come back to the show and hopefully have it as a latest read and, mm-hmm. and then share my thoughts. So I'm very intentional about my shelf editions. Me too. And my shelf editions are fun. These are rarely books that get sent to me. Usually the way that I think, all right, I'm going to wrap up my script. I need a shelf edition. I open my phone and I look at my pictures and I see, because whenever I see a book on social media, like TikTok, Bookstagram, wherever, I'm like, ooh, that one sounds really good. I'll take a picture of it. And Mm -hmm. I don't even intend to be like, oh, I'm going to put this as my shelf edition, but it almost never fails where I look. I'm like, oh yeah, this one I just took a picture of from social media from somewhere. Right. Same thing. Same. If I can, I will do the same thing as far as take a picture or save the post on Instagram. If I see it, I'll save it and then go Mm -hmm. back and then put the title into my BookBuddy app. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a personal, yeah, I have a personal shelf there and then I have a um, advanced reader copy shelf Mm -hmm. so that I can keep track of books coming out in the pub dates. But So screenshots, taking pictures. And when I go to the bookstore, I just take a picture of the book if it sounds good. And that that way I have it for Instagram. And I also have it so then I can go back when I get home and then put the titles in BookBuddy Mm -hmm. and then go to the library, you know, go to the library shelf and see if I can put it on hold. So it's a whole process of when something crosses my path of how do I actually, you know, put it on my TBR shelf. 
Mm-hmm. And Book Bunny is something that Renee brought a while ago as one of her yes. loving latelys. And I think episode one. Was it episode one? I think was it your first one. loving lately? First, yeah. No, no. Your first loving lately was the Chom Chom Pet Roller. I remember. <gasps> Because oh. I was like, say, uh, what is a chom chom? What is that? But it was very, very early. It would have been one of the very first. We, yeah. we'll, we'll write in in our show notes which one it is. But what a loving lately is, what I love about this segment, I remember when we were creating the show thinking like, okay, like we want to have an opener, but we don't want it to just be book related. Even though, yes, mm-hmm. of course, we're a book podcast. We also contain multitudes and we like to hear from other people. What have you been loving? Like what? What is it? And this for us can be absolutely anything. It could mm-hmm. be recipes. We've brought products, TV shows, other podcasts, social media accounts, apps on your phone, class exercise classes. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> the list goes on. And I find this is like one of my it's encouraged me to try new things because I'm like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. this could be a good loving lately, or or maybe not, <laughs> if it doesn't make exactly. it to the show. Right. Same. Same. I Totally agree. And and when other people start sharing, then oh, it's been so fun to, to find things, products or ideas or apps that we just didn't know about. And mm-hmm. that's been so much fun. I wonder if people have their own trusted sources. When we talk about trusted sources, when we're talking about book recommendations or where did you get that recommendation? Oh, from one of my trusted sources. If you say that, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I usually don't say that. No, <laughs> I don't use that a lot. I hear other people say it. I I have some folks that I follow on Instagram that I think I would consider a trusted source. I also have some that I'm like, oh, well, if they liked it, mm, I'm not sure if I will like it. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to name names. But sometimes I'm like, oh, if you liked it, I might not. Or vice versa. If you didn't like it, eh, chances are that I might. Because we yeah. come to find out as you get to know other people's reading tastes, what they like, what works for them, and what works for them may not work for you and vice versa. You use trusted sources, though, a fair amount. Well, I do. Yes. And when I say one of my trusted sources, those are usually people or publishers for me. Mm, And mm. so somebody can be, I can consider a trusted source, even if I don't always agree with their recommendations. Like We don't have the exact same reading taste. If someone if I know I can count on someone, and that could be someone on Instagram or a book review site, that if I can count on them to give honest opinions about books, I consider that a trusted source because I know mm, I'm getting interesting an honest opinion versus someone who gives five-star rave reviews to every book they read that I would not consider that person a trusted source because I need to know what you actually thought about things. You can't possibly Mm -hmm. love every book you read. So just by being honest and giving thoughtful takes on books, I will consider that person a trusted source. Publisher-wise, I do pay attention to publishers and Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I know a lot of people don't, but I do think that's a really good way to track success. If you if you go back through books that you've loved and you start looking to see who published them, that can be a really good way of then narrowing down a category. So you could like for me William Morrow mm-hmm. is a really I have I have a really high success rate with their books. So I can go to their website, I can go to wherever and see what are they publishing? What have they published? What's coming up? And chances are I'm going to want to read a lot of books that they're publishing. So Mm -hmm. they work good for me. Grand Central is one of my trusted publishing sources. I mean, I have luck here and there with everyone, but I do know that I have a lot of luck with those particular publishers. Yeah. And I am with you. I don't pay as much attention to the different publishers. Um, although I've started to, cause I do hear, I know it's a good source and I know that they, I like to know like what types of books a publisher is going to bring out. I like Flatiron. I think I've had some good luck with some of the mm-hmm. Flatiron titles lately. Berkeley always does. They always entice me, but like, I don't know if my success rate's quite there, but something about <laughs> Berkeley's titles, I think the the covers are really splashy. They just, mm-hmm. they, they have some good ones that like really, really tantalize me. Yeah. They have fun covers, I think. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. When we talk about where we get our ARCs, which are advanced reader copies, we a lot of times mention NetGalley. Mm-hmm. And people may not know what we're talking about and also may not know that NetGalley is an online book site where you can request advanced copies of books. Now, you do need to share your thoughts on books somewhere online, but it doesn't have to be elaborate to get Mm -hmm. for anybody can get started on NetGalley. You just need to start sharing your book thoughts somewhere, whether it's Goodreads or Instagram, because you have to be or your blog, a blog or wherever, because you have to be able to link and show that you share books somewhere on mm-hmm. the internet. So yeah. that's really good. That's a great place to get started and possibly even be able to get advanced copies of books. Mm-hmm. And that one too, they also have some that are read now that you mm-hmm. can just basically get pretty much immediately. But be careful because they do keep track of your review percentage. So for all the ones that you get approved for, they want you to um, keep your review percentage above 80%. I know mine is not 80% right now, but I've been doing it for like five years now. So Mm -hmm. I have a lot of books that I've reviewed. So I think that helps. My goal is to get it back above 80 this year. Maybe now that I've said it on the podcast, I'll get there. I think (laughs) I'm at like 71. So I'm not like tragic, but I do still have work to do. So be careful when you're requesting because it'll hurt your percentage. Right. It's really fun. You you can easily get carried away with re- oh, requesting. Uh, guilty. <laughs> guilty right. for I'm sure. I'm very guilty of that. Yeah. In fact, okay, I think well, I just requested two literally in the time that we've been recording this before we were talking. Uh, and now I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I know. So. I'm going to be requesting your latest read as soon as we oh, get done oh, recording. Yeah. <sighs> so good. If it's so on good. there. Sometimes they're not on there. but I did notice it was on one of the, I think it's on the audio I saw on Simon and Schuster's email. Oh, okay. One of the, it must be for me. I'll be getting it that way then. Okay. A little side. All right. Well, is there any other? I do. Do you have any other book thoughts? I do. I have one more thing. So this month I had done something totally different. Usually the way that I pick a pick a book that's been on my radar. I have a list in my digital planner that just may books on the radar. And anytime I see one that I'm like, ooh, this sounds good. What is this? I look and see quickly what's the pub date. And if it's May, I'll write it down on my list of possibilities. Sometimes my entire list comes from there. This time I only had picked one from that list. And instead I went over to Idleweiss. And in that website, it's similar to NetGalley, But I think it's more for industry folks, so like librarians, Mm -hmm. booksellers, things like that. And the website itself is a little bit, it's more involved. You can do much more with it, which can make it intimidating. And I've been intimidated by that website for many years. (laughs) I don't really really request my books through there. But what I noticed is that you can go in and organize books that are coming out by month. And I mean, they have all, I don't think it's all books, but it's like pages and pages of books that are coming out by the month. And then you click on the book and they give you all sorts of resources. They give you potentially a high quality version of the cover, which is amazing because sometimes you cannot get a high quality version of the cover. If you're trying to share about it on social media, you get reviews or early reviews from other people that have gotten advanced copies. You can see pub date. You can see the blurb. You can even see some of their marketing plan, like who they're targeting and why they think this book would be successful. Because I think a lot of booksellers use this resource to decide if they're going to order that book for their shop. So I had so much fun going through this. I could have spent several more hours just paging through the list. But I'm like, all right, you already have like six that you want. So narrow it down (laughs) and let's keep it moving. But Idlevice is a very good source if you've not been there before. I am on their website. I had no idea you could narrow down books by the month. So I just, just thank you. I didn't know that. (laughs) I just discovered. I'm like, holy mackerel, like this is really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was cool. Okay. Yeah. I am kind of use mostly NetGalley and whatever I have found on BookBuddy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll put put my books on BookBuddy, but then I can scroll through easily on both places and see the pub days. You're so organized with BookBuddy, man. I I'm so, I, I, love I tried. It. I tried, but I can't. <laughs> I need it to just keep track of dates and when things are being published and what books I have because I have books in different places. But for books on the radar specifically, I for May, 
I really leaned heavily into this mood I've been in that I've been Mm -hmm. talking about. And you'll see from my choices, which heading into summer, I get very into thrillers. Yep. And and that niche East Coast, book set on the East Coast and or book set on the East Coast involving a wedding. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do not ask me why I am Uh being so, but that's my mood. I That's what I want. That's what you want, baby. I too am in a thrilling kind of mood, but I want my thriller, not just a standard psychological thriller with gaslighting and the like. I need it in a good setting or I want some sort of supernatural element. I've been in a historical fiction kind of mood too, and I'm still carrying that on, I think, Mm -hmm. into the new season, but not standard historical fiction World War II Although there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm looking more for like hidden women in history or like powerful feminist characters that we didn't know about. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I haven't. uh, Okay. We're going to get started. And I have a historical fiction I wonder if I can tempt you with. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. I'll go first. And my first pick is one of those thrilling books set in a very tantalizing setting. It is Breathless by Amy McCullough. And this book comes out on May 3rd. This is a high-altitude thriller that will take your breath away, which, I mean, corny, <laughs> but let's go with it. So you have Cecily Wong, and she is on a super dangerous climb. She is climbing miles above sea level, and the treacherous elements are nothing compared to the one chilling truth. There is a killer on the mountain. So this is supposed to be a page-turning thriller set in the world of expert mountain climbing. Oh. So Cecily is a journalist and has traveled to Manaslu in Nepal, the eighth highest peak in the world, to interview internationally famous mountaineer Charles McVeigh on the last leg of his record-breaking climbs. She has given up literally everything to catch and to chase this story. She's given up her boyfriend, her life savings, and the peace she's made with her climbing failures in the past. But this is a career-making opportunity that could finally put her life back together and she can't pass it up. And then, while they're on this trip, one climber dies in what everyone assumes is a freak accident. But she's like, I think something's fishy. I think something's going on, and she fears their entire expedition is in danger. And then a second climber dies. And now it's too late to turn back. They are stranded on a mountain in one of the most remote regions of the world. And She has to battle more than just the elements in this harrowing fight for survival against a killer who is picking them off one by one. Come on. Yeah. Look, I'm the least adventurous person in my day to day, (laughs) but I love the sound of this book. I picked it because I love locked room mysteries. I love these evocative settings, these settings that make you feel chilly. Although I think it's weird it's coming out in May. This would have been a really good one for January, but I digress. This reminded me of The Dark by Emma Houghton that I read earlier this year, That the one that was set in a remote Antarctic research station. And I'm all for more books like this. And this author has an impressive tie-in to the setting. She apparently was the youngest Canadian woman to climb Manaslu, and she also summited the highest mountains in the Americas and has visited all seven continents. And I'm like, wow, how? how? But okay. okay. And apparently this is her adult fiction debut. So this one is Breathless by Amy McCullough. Yeah, I love the sound of that. And I love when someone has obviously taken something that they do, like mountain climbing, and then write a thriller about Uh that because you will know, yes, you will never find me mountain climbing, but I definitely want to read about it. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) I I love that too when an author like ties in their real world experience. Because I started doing research. I'm like, this is a pretty specific setting and like, you mm-hmm. know, she's a journalist tying it in with mountain climbing. You can't just like make up mountain climbing terms and things. So well, right. you can, but I'm sure she had to do research. Turns out she's a mountain climber. That's awesome. I like that. All right, Renee, what's your first book? All right. My first book is a trusted author by a trusted author. It is The Summer Place by Jennifer Weiner. And I couldn't not bring this book. It comes out May 10th. And I chose this because I I've read a lot of her books. And last May, I read That Summer, and I really liked that on audio. So, of course, I had to go with this. And, of course, when I tell you what it's about, based on my weird mood that I'm in, you'll know. So this is set in Cape Cod, 
And it's about a 22-year-old girl named Ruby. She announces to her family, including her stepmother, that she is engaged to a guy she met during the pandemic. And not only are they engaged, but they're getting married in three months. And so Ruby has already asked Sarah's mother, Veronica, if she can have the wedding at their family's beach house in Cape Cod. So, you know, you're getting a beach setting. Turns out that, of course, families are complicated and weddings are complicated. And what ends up happening is that within this three-month time of getting ready for the wedding, Ruby starts to find herself having trouble with her past, having some issues resurface about her mother who walked out on her when she was a baby. Veronica, her grandmother, ends up facing some unexpected news thanks to her meddling sister, and she has to revisit choices she made long ago when she was a best-selling novelist who had a different life. Then you have Ruby's stepmother, Sarah. She has a twin brother who comes into the mix. He's recovering from a terrible loss and has his own story that sounds like it can be pretty dramatic as he comes to stay on the Cape. Then you have Sarah's husband, Eli, and he's got secrets. Put all of these people together. And Sarah especially, it sounds like she may narrate the story. And she also becomes frustrated with everyone, especially her husband. She's concerned about her stepdaughter, worn out by life during quarantine, and faces the alluring reappearance of someone from her past in a life that could have been. So put all of this together as the wedding day arrives, lovers are revealed as their true selves, misunderstandings take on a life of their own, and secrets come to light. There are confrontations, revelations, drama, and who knows if there's actually going to be a wedding. But I love the sound of all of this. This is exactly what I'm in the mood for. That was The Summer Place by Jennifer Weiner. And let me add, the New York Times calls her the undisputed boss of the beach read which I'm kind of in agreement with. If I'm going to compare her with Ellen Hildebrand, whose books I used to read pretty regularly, I like Jennifer Weiner's better these last Mm -hmm. few summers. Yeah, I'm with you. I like that author a lot. I've read a lot of her books. I did not read her most recent, but I read the one before that. Big Summer, I think, was the name of it. Okay, yeah. These are perfect. I feel like every May I want to read a Jennifer Weiner. It just like kicks the season off perfectly. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going this to me. I'm, I can envision myself right now. It's warm. I'm walking around the forest preserve with my stroller, listening to this, and I want to do another yes. lap because it's so I'm so involved. Like that's the vibe I'm getting. I can't wait. I mean, if you're in the mood for any sort of family drama set on what sounds like a beach, you know, mm-hmm. beach resort type of setting, I, I don't think you can go wrong with this. So no, I will definitely good. report back on that. Well, let me tell you about my next read. This one is one that I haven't heard anything about. Um, It's called The Cherry Robbers by Sarai Walker. This one comes out on May 17th. This one is a feminist gothic story about the lone survivor of a cursed family of sisters whose time may finally be up. A curse? Excuse me? Like, okay. So it opens up in New Mexico in 2017. Sylvia Wren is one of the most important American writers of the past century. She is a known recluse and avoids all public appearances. And there's a reason for it. She is living under an assumed identity, having outrun a tragic past. But when a hungry journalist starts chasing her story, she's confronted with whom she once was, Iris Chappell. And the book goes back to Connecticut 1950, and we find out that Iris Chappell was the second youngest of six sisters who were all heiresses to a firearms fortune. So they've grown up very sheltered in this palatial Victorian house, but they were mostly neglected by their distant father, and it sounds like their mom had some troubles. And 
the mom believes that their house is haunted by the victims of chapel weapons because they're known to make these firearms and she thinks the victims are haunting their house. The girls long to escape and for most of them, because of the time period, the only way out is marriage. But not long after the first chapel sister walks down the aisle, she dies of a mysterious cause. And the tragedy repeats with the second sister, leaving the rest to navigate the wreckage and figure out what's going on here. So ultimately, we know Iris gets out because she's living in present day and begins the story of Sylvia Wren. But can she outrun the family curse forever? I love a family curse, and I'm so curious to see if she can outrun her fate. Like, very, (laughs) very curious. I also like the idea of a reclusive writer, an intrepid journalist. The firearms fortune gets to me. Like, I'm very, I have a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about this one. I think it could be fun. It's The Cherry Robbers by Sarai Walker. Okay. Wow. I've never heard of that. So good. That's what I can't wait for you to let us know. Yeah. Good one. All right, my next one comes out May 10th. It's Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. And this has been named one of the most anticipated books of 2022 by Pop Sugar. And it's also my women's fiction slash possible deeper romance pick. So this is set in Barry's Bay. This is about Persephone Frazier, which is, I think she goes by Percy. So that's what I'm going to go with. And Ever since she made the biggest mistake of her life a decade ago, she has been somewhat estranged from the place she grew up, which was Barry's Bay. Instead of the glittering summers on the lake of her childhood, she has moved to a stylish apartment in the city. She spends her time going out with friends and she keeps everyone a safe distance from her heart. However, One day, she receives a call that has her returning back to where she grew up in Barry's Bay and back into the orbit of Sam Florick, a man that she thought she'd have to live without. So this is told in present day, it sounds like, but also their story, her and Sam's, takes place over six summers and one weekend. So it sounds like the narration goes back and we get each of those summers and one and a weekend to find out what went wrong. Mm. And when they had spent the summers together, he sounds like he was preparing for medical school and she was working on horror short stories and they had been inseparable. And that friendship eventually turned into something more before it fell spectacularly apart. So when Percy returns to the lake for Sam's mother's funeral, their connection is as undeniable as it has always been. But can Percy confront the decisions she made and the years she spent punishing herself for them to find out if they can escape the mistakes of their past? So like I said, this is told over the course of six years and one weekend, and it's being billed as a big, sweeping, nostalgic story of love and the people and choices that mark us forever. All right. That's Every Summer After by Carly mm. Fortune. Okay. It reminded me of Elon Hildebrand's 28 Summers, where every summer mm. they revisit. I mean, that's a completely different story, but okay. like they, every summer they revisit the, the same house and relive their very first summer together, even though he's married now. Yeah, that's it. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm totally for sure that I know this type of structure is going to work for me, but I am. I will see. I'm curious. It does sound good. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to read it. All right. Okay. Well, what do you have next? Next for me is Hide by Kirsten White, which comes out on May 24th. Ugh, ugh, mm. Okay, this is a high-stakes hide-and-seek competition that turns deadly in a dark supernatural thriller. And so basically what you have is a challenge to spend a week hiding in an abandoned amusement park and don't get caught. If you're able to do that, Mm. you get enough prize money to change everything. Even though everyone involved is desperate to win, they want to seize their dream futures or escape their haunting past, Mac feels sure that she can beat her competitors. All she has to do is hide, and she is an expert at hiding. It's the reason she's alive and her family isn't. But as the people around her begin disappearing one by one, Mac realizes this competition is more sinister than she'd ever imagined. 
and that together might be the only way to survive. So there's 14 competitors, seven days, everywhere to hide, nowhere to run. I'm like, hell no. What is chasing these people? Because I saw Supernatural, and it kind of reminded me of Chuck Wendig, like that. It reminded me a little bit of the book that we wanted to work but didn't, the one that's in the zoo. Oh, Fierce Kingdom. Fierce Kingdom, where you're hiding and there's some, you know, something happening in the zoo. You've got your captive setting. This sounds so fun for summer. And if it can be done well, the supernatural mm-hmm. tie-in always gets me. Ah, I'm so excited. Plus, the oh. cover of this one's insane. Like, it's so cool. Like, I really like the cover of this one. It sounds perfect. So that one was Hide by Kirsten White. Okay, wow. I don't have much more um, to say because it, it's one of those I think we don't want to know too much going in, right? right. Just know that right. it's thrilling. Know that they're hiding. There's something funky going on. Done. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, I can't wait to, for you to tell us about that because amusement park. Ooh, creepy amusement parks too. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't like regular amusement parks. Like, I don't want to go to a real <laughs> one because I think they're creepy. <laughs> and like rides that come out of the back of a truck and get put together same day shouldn't oh, exist. Like, no, that freaks me out. <laughs> But I do like, you like a carnival setting, right? Yes. I do yeah. like the the carnival. Mm-hmm. Stephen King's Joyland. Yes. Ah. Set it in old, yes. like old school amusement park setting. Eey. Like you're Eey. talking about it. Spooky. Like more carnival-like. Yes. I love okay. that. All right. What's next? All right. My next book is Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavone. Comes out May 24th. And this is my thriller pick, international thriller. And this initial sentence drew me in. You think you know a person. I love that. Yes, you do think that, right? no idea. (laughs) All right. So Ariel Price wakes up in Lisbon alone. Her husband is gone. No warning. No, no. Not answering his phone. She knows something is wrong. So she logically starts with hotel security, then the police, then the American embassy, and at each becomes confronted with questions that she can't fully answer. Questions like, what exactly is John doing in Lisbon? Why would he drag her along on his business trip? Who would want to harm him? And why does Ariel know so little about her new, much younger husband? The clock is ticking, and she's becoming increasingly frustrated and desperate, running out of time, and that one person in the world who can help is the one person she least wants to ask. That's all I need to know. That's all that's really being given by the publisher. It's being billed as tightly wound and expertly crafted and one that will stay with us long after the surprising final page. I love the sound of that. And that's that's really all I need to know. And it sounds like a great summer thriller. It's Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavone. Mm-hmm. Have you read this author before? Yes. Okay. I read, that's that's another reason I chose this. Well, number one, the setting. Yeah. So I don't know that I've read a book set in Lisbon, but I read The Expats by him and uh, loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This sounds like you're kind of like thriller. Mm-hmm. International mm-hmm. type of, yes, definitely. And he has a really good backlist. I don't know why I haven't read more, but. I've not read him either. So. Yeah. The Expats was his first novel. Hmm. All right. Last for me is a book called Sinkhole. And this one comes out on May 26th, which I'm like, wait, that's not a Tuesday, but okay. It's by Davida Breyer. And this one was billed as a coming-of-age story wrapped in suspense. And it's got LGBT rep. The main character is Ace. And I'm like, all right, let me know a little bit more. So what you have here is lies from the past colliding with the dangerous present. So after 15 years in exile, Michelle Miller returns to her tiny hometown of Lorita, Florida. Her mother's in the hospital, and she's forced to reckon with the broken relationship she's left behind with her family, with her friends, and with herself. As a teenager, Michelle felt isolated and invisible until she met Sissy, a dynamic and wealthy classmate. Their sudden, intense friendship was all-consuming. Then you add punk rocker Morrison joining the group later, and they become an inseparable trio. They were the perfect high school friends, bound by dysfunction, bad TV, and boredom, until one of them ends up dead. So now, 15 years later, she's forced to confront the life she turned her back on 15 years ago. She begins questioning what was the truth and what were lies. And now at a distance, Michelle begins to see how dangerous Sissy truly was. I love a reckoning. 
I love a tight friend group that's a little complicated, female friendship that's all consuming. I'm like, okay. And then you add one of the friends who died. Like, what happened mm-hmm. to the friend? I need to wow. know. Yeah. I like it's in 1980s Central Florida. I really like that setting. It's an exploration of home, friendship, self, grief set among the golf courses and alligators of Central Florida. So I thought this one sounded really interesting. Oh, yeah. It is Sinkhole by Davida Breyer. Another one I've never heard of. Yes. Wow. Sinkhole. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. That sounds interesting. I know. That's I was curious. One. I was like, uh, let me know. I need to know a little bit more about it, but it sounds interesting okay. for sure. Well, we have a wide variety of books that we're <laughs> that we're both bringing which is yes. great. We have we we're giving a lot of options. My last book is On Gin Lane by Brooke Leah Foster. Oh, it comes yeah. out May 31st. It's historical fiction and this is about Everly Lee Farrows and it's set in 1957 and she is a young socialite. She her life is is good. She's got a handsome fiance named Roland, a trust in her name, and a house in Bronxville waiting for her to fill it with three adorable children. That is until Roland brings her out to the Hamptons for a summer that will change everything. And what he does is take her to the Hamptons and show her that he as an engagement present, he has bought her a beachside hotel on the prized gin lane. And at first she's delighted. uh, And she grew up apparently in the plaza. However, she has very unpleasant memories of that hotel. So as they settle into the hotel that the beachside hotel that he buys, she starts to engage and really enjoys her time with the other people. She has poolside bellinis, daily tennis matches, luncheons with her Manhattan circle, and her beloved camera in tow. But when tragedy strikes on the hotel's opening weekend, the cracks in Lee's picture-perfect future slowly begin to reveal themselves And she must look deep within herself to determine if the life she's always wanted will ever truly be enough. I love the setting and give me a beachside hotel and and drama and happenings and wealthy people possibly behaving badly. And I like, I just like the sound of this one a lot. And that was On Gin Lane by Brooke Leah Foster. Yeah, Brooke Leah Foster wrote the book that I recommended to you um, that was maybe potentially a comp for Mary comp Jane. Comp for Mary Jane. Summer Darlings. I have downloaded that. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't know if it is because mm-hmm. I didn't read Mary Jane, but I did read Summer Darlings and I could see this for sure. Also, who, I mean, sure, just buy me a hotel for my engagement. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Why? And, As one does. Right. You, nothing can go wrong, of course. But yeah, right. I do like the sound. And I'm definitely going to read Summer Darlings too. For sure. Yeah. Perfect for summer. All right. So this to end this episode, we are going to share our current reads, which is the way that we anticipate we will be sharing our Books on the Radar episodes here on out. So the book that I am reading currently is The Lioness by Chris Bojalian. And this book is, okay, the, re- the reason that I was like, Renee, I need this book. I Please let me have this book because <laughs> I think we had both had it on our radar. Mm-hmm. This book is about a luxurious African safari that turns deadly for a Hollywood starlet and her entourage. And it's a historical thriller. The reason I wanted this is because I was super mad at the last book I read that was supposed to be an African safari the Wild Girls, and I got no safari. I got no animals. I got nothing in the Serengeti. I got nothing at all that showed me that they were actually on this African continent, let alone on a, a safari. So I'm like, all right, I need a safari. And apparently, like, oh my gosh, the cover itself, I just noticed there's these like red stripes across the cover. I'm like, what the heck is that? I'm like, oh my God, I think it is an animal claw that has clawed the cover. Oh. So I'm friggin' all in. I just started it. I'm like on page three, but very excited to see where this one goes. Okay. I definitely hope you get some animals on the safari or a safari of some kind. (laughs) Any sort of outdoor (laughs) adventure I will take. All right. My current read, 
Actually, it's a current listen. I am listening to a memoir called Midlife Bites by Jen Mann. Oh my gosh. I have probably listened to 30 to 40 minutes of this. I cannot tell you how many times I've laughed. This is Jen Mann is a successful best-selling author and award-winning blogger. She has a husband. She has kids. She's 47. This is a book about a woman at the crossroads of a midlife crisis. I, I don't even, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I laughed uh, listening to this yesterday. And it's, so far, it's her stories. It's going to be a book, she says, to help bring women together to talk about things that, things involving midlife that no one is really talking about. And she shares her own story as well as advice and wisdom from the online community she built. And she's going to tackle everything about midlife. Nothing is off limits. And she's hoping that this is going to help bring conversations to women over 40. I think in the book, she says this is this is definitely for women between 40 and 60. And I, so far, I absolutely love it. She is narrating the audiobook herself. And as much as I can be riv- riveted by a, a memoir about me- midlife, life. I am. I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. So that is Midlife Bites by Jen Mann. I love the cover of this. It's neon pink. Uh Uh-huh. Definitely eye-catching. I'm glad to hear it's working. It is definitely working so far. All right. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, including bonus podcast episodes, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. We want to thank our Discord moderator, Zach at Zachary.Goodreads and Genevieve at Genevieve.Reading for helping us with our Discord. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at BookTalkEtc on Instagram, Tina at TBREtc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Beaujolian. Okay. Beaujolian. All right. Well, I can't wait to forget how to pronounce that in (laughs) 20 minutes.